It's showtime. Showtime. Welcome to the party, pal. Hey, guys. I want to thank you for listening in this week again. I uh, hope everybody's uh, holidays have been great. And I hope everybody has a fantastic new year. Make sure you are checking uh, out the Cigar Noise app or CigarNoise.com. Get all your updates and friends over there on Cigar Noise. Let's jump into this week's episode. Welcome to the Sons of Smoke Cigar Cast. I'm Drew with Mo. Yo. Mukau Rich. Bringing the bull. The, the one and only The Danny. What up? And a surprise special guest this week. You want you want to you want to do the honors, Danny? No. Well, he, he, he's not a guest. <laughs> he he's a guest host. Guest host. Sorry. Guest host. Yeah. So here's five guys. No. <laughs> but uh, no, so uh, my boss and one of my mentors, uh, Mr. Skip Martin, uh, in town and uh, wanted to ha- you know wanted to be on the show, wanted to have him on the show. So we're gonna get some interesting stuff for sure. Yeah. Wanted to uh, talk about Call of Duty. Okay. Nice. And 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 uh, how much Call of Duty has cost me in terms of productivity in my office. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're gonna turn this into an intervention type thing. <laughs> yeah, pretty now, much. Is, is this your productivity or everybody else's or all of the above? It's well, I mean. Uh, I work all hours of the day, so it's when Danny and John are playing Call of Duty during work hours. Somebody's so got to do it. Can some look at that as a team building exercise? I mean, if we just wanted to spin <laughs> it in a positive light. Absolutely. Well, the, the thing is, is we do it all the time. Absolutely. So absolutely. The, team, the team is officially built. Uh, well, also, John is not a team player. John's a lone wolf. No, okay, yeah, there, there, there's an issue there, sure. So, yeah, there, we've identified some breakdown in the teamwork uh, just based on John's Call of Duty play. Let's see, it was a good thing. No, I thought the I thought the Festivus airing of grievances was last week. Well, I missed that. Oh, damn. <laughs> so we'll have it this week. Here they are today. Is, do you have a, a proposed solution for this? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we got to beat the game. <laughs> Skip's got to run the analytics, see what you know, the algorithm, the uh, the Rome algorithm, see what happens. Well, Tyler was Tyler was here for like three or four days, and I think he played on average twelve hours a day. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. There's going to be that sweet spot. I don't know if it's an hour, two hours, whatever. But I'll tell you, Skip, Tyler, I mean, there was a picture that, that Sean posted, and he looked like he could have honestly been your kid. <laughs> I mean, it was like retro Skip. Like if, like the retro Jordans, it was like, all right, we're going to take Skip back about 10 years, and this is, here's Tyler. I mean, he had the Baca shirt on and everything. I've never dated a, or had sex with a woman with a vagina big enough to give birth to Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the cervix buster. T-bone, T-bone's got some girth to him. 
Although he slimmed <laughs> down quite a bit. Yeah, I'm talking yeah, about that's... just his. I'm talking about just his cranium. Yeah. Well. Yeah. He's bigger. Yeah. He's got a dome. <laughs> He's the uh, first customer we've had that needed a uh, extra large, double extra large hat. Yeah, it was like a special order and twice the price. Yeah. Worth every penny. Uh, I don't know about that. But. <laughs> There's better investments, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> Uh, it's legit. So I was telling these guys last week, Tyler put out his his list of cigars in his regular rotation, and four of the ten spots belong to Patina and Romacraft, and, and we were joking around a little bit about that, but I will tell you that um, when you have guys like Tyler out there, and, and you guys know, the kid comes off as genuine as could possibly be. There's not a... I guess there's not a biased or whatever bone in his body. So um, I do thank him for that a lot, man. And, and he does that for both both brands. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. So, Kyle, where are so, we starting off today, man? So uh, first thing I want to point out is that this is probably going to be the first cigar-related podcast that a lot of people listen to in the new year. Uh, which means that this episode is going to be the best cigar podcast episode they've heard this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just had to point that out. And, um, unless they listen tomorrow night when I post it. <laughs> well, they should wait. All right, so let's dive into something. We're, we're going to get philosophical. So uh, Socrates said that the unexamined life is not worth living. The question I have is, is the unexamined cigar worth smoking? So in other words, is it better to just appreciate a cigar as like an experience, or is it better to learn as much about it as you can and analyze it so that hopefully that improves your experience? Your thoughts. Kyle, I'm going to flip this on you. You're You're the guy that does all the blind review tasting, right? That's what, just a nice you, way to say you don't like the question. I mean, yeah, that, 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 <laughs> you can look at it that way. But no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. does Skip know about your Kawhi Leonard laugh, by the way? <laughs> well, I'll say, I'll say this. Uh, <laughs> a number of, of the reviewers have said that they don't have time to smoke cigars they enjoy because they only smoke the cigars that they're reviewing, which to me seems like... Why, why, why else would you spend so much time reviewing cigars if you didn't love cigars? And if you love cigars, then why would you only smoke the cigars you're doing for your blog? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. So they need to smoke cigars just for enjoying them. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe not be so analytical about everything they smoke. Joe? No, no, we're, we got to go around. Uh, Drew, Drew, what you think? Man, what Skip said was amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was well said. Got to agree with that guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, topic number two. <laughs> yeah, that That's how we do things. All right. Uh, well, hold on. Danny, what do you think about that one? What, Daniel? What? Is Danny here? What did he say? 
He is muted. Now he's not. Now he's, I don't hear him. Now he sounds like he's a million miles away. <laughs> he sure does. All right. Uh, I guess that's where Texas is anyway. He's kind of a million miles away. I think you're, I think you're hearing him through my microphone. Oh, that could be. Okay. Uh, let's see if we can get him back. Here. Uh, hey, wait. I think he's back. Don't spill. <laughs> I don't even know All where right. he's sitting at. My back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that comment, Technical Danny. difficulties. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was trying to use these fancy, fancy headphones. It didn't work out. Um, so what I miss? What was the question? (laughs) We'll we'll get you on the next one. All right, let's go. Perfect. All right. So, uh, our, our buddy, Vcut Everything, VQ, uh, asked, what's the most recent Google search in everyone's phones? Oh, let's see. How would you know that? I assume you searched for something today, right? I did. Yeah, but is there a list of what you oh, searched no. for? Oh yeah, I, I your, find one. your search history. You need to know. Oh, I, don't, I have. I'm not oh. a rookie, man. I got my search history turned off. <laughs> Incognito mode, baby. Incognito mode. Actually, I pulled it up. The last thing I looked for was best dim sum in Austin, and it looks like it is Lynn Asian Bar and Dim Sum. Got four and a half stars. My last Google search was uh, Chicago Bulls because I was there were some trade rumors surrounding the team and that's what I was reading about. Not very fun or exciting. But Kyle, I really want to get back to this question. I think that's a really good question. All right, go for it. Because I think I think people overcomplicate their cigar experiences. I really do. I mean. If you overly research a cigar before you get into it, you're going to create all of these weird expectations in your head. Mm-hmm. And if you approach a cigar with an open mind, you're going to be a lot, a lot more likely to enjoy it, in my opinion. Like some guys think that they can look at a blend and be like, or, you know, the tobacco is used in a cigar and just be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like something like that. Well, we don't know that. I mean, you could have great tobacco or like a really nice mix of tobaccos that generally somebody would like. That's not to say you put that recipe together the right way. I mean, I don't know. That's just my thought. I think people overcomplicate their cigar experience a lot of times and it takes away from just enjoying it. That's why I like your blind reviews so much. I think that that really, really allows you to get into a cigar the right way as intended. Yeah, mostly I think, Sometimes you get some, you know, if you get a cigar that doesn't quite perform exactly as it should, that's a little weird um, if you just smoke one blind. But it's still a lot better than having a band on it. Do you guys sit down every time you smoke a cigar and and expect like this Calgon take me away moment? Or like, because we're we're smoking all day while I'm working. I'm just like, oh, I haven't had this. Light it. And I, like, how was that cigar? Like, uh, it was good. Like, it didn't suck. You know what I'm saying? There was... I'm just like going through my day and like, it didn't suck, you know? And I, like, I don't have, <clears throat> I think now more being, being in the industry, hope is let me see how it is and just really reflect. Like, I don't know, like, you, like it sounds kind of like what you're bringing up. Like for me, it's like, oh, I'm working throughout my day. It's like, okay, EC, BA, you know, right now I'm smoking patina, you know, but I'm just like, just 
I'm just smoking. I'm not necessarily trying it's to. It. Well, it's like working at a cigar shop. You might you might puff on five cigars a day, but you ain't smoking a single one of them. Right. Danny, to answer your question for me at least, I don't I don't get to smoke as often as you do by far. So if I get to smoke down or I, I get to sit down and smoke, it's like it's an experience, right? The whole thing is supposed to be this relaxing experience where I can just enjoy myself. I can sit down, I can I can kind of get together with those flavors, get together with that cigar and really kind of enjoy that. All right. I just didn't know if it was me hey, being weird. Hey, Skip, is, is Romacraft hiring? Because I would love to smoke cigars all day and play Call of Duty. Yeah, right. Sorry, that position's <laughs> uh, been filled already. <laughs> Skip, how many cigars do you smoke a day? Well, like when I'm in Austin, I probably smoke maybe eight or ten, but uh, when I'm in Nicaragua, I smoke more tobacco than I smoke cigars. Okay. Mm-hmm. Walk us through that. Um, so, you know, like let's say today we open a pack of uh, Condega Viso. Um, we have Reference Viso, and then we have the, the new pack. We smoke a little bit of both, make sure that it's on track. Um, then I'll go to the tables, maybe pick up a Fio or something that they're rolling at the table just to see how that's going. Um, and then I'll go to packaging. When well, they, Fio is a mistake for, for people that don't. Get yeah, it's, it's like something with a soft spot or whatever that, that, that they identified at the table. Um, then I'll go to packaging and I'll, and I'll smoke one, one or two of the Segundos that they're sending out. Um, and then... When I'm in Nicaragua, I, I probably could smoke 10, 12, 14 cigars a day. It sounds like most of that is like quality control. Is that accurate? It's, it's probably half and half in Nicaragua. Um, yeah, it's more just kind of keeping your palate. I mean, you, you know, Mo, when you go down there for two or three days, you're smoking all tobacco all day, every day. So, um, yeah. I mean, even when you're not blending, I mean, blending is, is a process that happens all the time. So it, it's not like you do it and it's done. You, uh, you have to constantly be blending, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. I guess, it, and for those, I, man, one of those days I was there, not this last trip, but the trip before that, I had some chimichurri at lunch. I couldn't taste a damn thing the rest of the day. That day was shot. That was the worst. Uh, I don't really eat in the morning or afternoon. I don't really eat until night. So, um, I is just, that right? Yeah, I'll drink Coke or water and then coffee. And then, um, yeah, I, I mean, I get up at about 10 or 11 in the morning and then, so I don't really eat until nighttime. That's interesting because, because man, like for me, a lot of, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say a lot of people see all the, the food pictures, but they don't understand that Skip orders a ton of food <laughs> to take pictures of it and try it, right? But it, it doesn't mean he's killing 14 plates. Like, oh, that's, yeah. like, oh that's, yeah. that sounds good. I just want to try it. You know, and there's, of course, there's five of us at the table, so you got to order enough of 14 people. Yeah, so uh, when, I was, when I was hanging out with Tyler, he's got, like, this baby stomach now, so he's got yeah. like, to eat, like, five, six times a day. Oh, man, it, it's so weird. 
It's like I don't even know who he is anymore. <laughs> it's literally half the man he used to be. But we've talked this about this before, like on the podcast. Like for me, man, it's hard for me to taste the cigar if I haven't eaten anything. I mean, it could be as simple as a protein bar in like a coffee, but if I don't, if I don't eat anything, I don't really taste anything. I, I know that maybe sounds weird, but are you, you, I guess, Skip, you're not like that. Are any of you other, like Drew, Kyle, Danny, you guys like that at all? No, and it, it almost doesn't make sense. Well, I'm, we're professionals, though, so. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, there it is. I get that. I like I to eat that. something, but. Even if it's light, like you said. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I guess it's just me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, Kyle? I don't have that at all. No, that's not a thing. Like, so you, if I if I woke up in the morning and had time for like a breakfast <clears throat> cigar with some coffee, that's great. That's <clears throat> perfect. Well, that would be amazing, but I'd have some breakfast too. <laughs> no, that's after. That comes after. Yeah, I, I could see that though. I just haven't ever done it. I normally wake up hungry, so. I, I eat. It's a state of life, being hungry. That's, that's legit. I think we've talked about it, too. Smoking actually makes me hungry. Oh, so, yeah. So it's like, I, I need to get some. 100%. All right, so I have, a, I have a Roma Craft question. You guys mm-hmm. have been posting these, yeah, these pictures about these, these perfectos. And Danny, you got some as a gift. What, what, what's going on with these, with these cigars? Uh, well, I mean, well, let's have Skip uh, kind of talk about it uh, if you want. So this is our tenth year, so we're having a uh, uh, get together at the headquarters in May ish, and uh, we're going to have a catador of grand grand perfect or grand uh, grand perfectos for the. Uh, you know, eight all eight blends, eight eight grand perfectos for the people who come to the event. So yeah, that's kind of uh, them getting made and then us showing off and Skip taking care of us. Uh, and you know the sadistic thing that I like to drive people crazy with on social media and post stuff that they can't have. So uh, oh yeah, so they can make the same the same five responses every time for sure. Yeah, take my money. <laughs> um, you have my address. Yeah, do you need yeah. help testing those? That's it. Yeah. yeah, we're we're predictable guys. Let's be better. Um, so, if somebody wanted to get their hands on those cigars and wanted to go to this party, how do they get there? Uh, the details we don't have. Yet. Uh, walk, <laughs> hitchhike, fly. Yeah, it'll be here in Austin at HQ. So we'll we'll put. I mean, we'll put details of you know, what the ticket is going to cost and uh, maybe even try to get a block of rooms for hotels because the response has been, I think, even a little more than we had anticipated from out-of-towners. So those are all logistics we haven't actually worked out, but essentially that's going to be it. I mean, it's uh, buy a ticket, get here, get them, um, and then just do party the way Skip usually does a party. Um, If anybody listening has ever been to the not that it's going to be trade show level, but I can't. It probably won't be much, a lot less than that. I mean, it's going to be. It, I'm assuming it's going to be pretty dope. I mean, just the stuff we've talked about. So, is there going to be Call of Duty? Sure. Sure. I mean, I don't know. May we may be tired. <laughs> we may be tired of it by then. 
This is the land party. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. You got you guys gonna do a historical like uh, documentary with Tyler is uh, young Skip. <laughs> Danny, Danny is young Rosales or younger Rosales. Uh, yeah, I don't get anything like him compared to compared to these two. But here's the thing, and Skip, you like ten years, man. That's that's awesome. And we just had Matt Booth on a couple weeks ago, who did his ten year, and he was talking about how much things have changed since he started. You guys have a little bit of an unorthodox approach to building your brand in terms of, I mean, you guys don't use any reps or brokers like out in the field per se in that sense. Um, how has, I mean, if anything, I, and I want your thought on this. You guys are really the closest thing to the way Padron does it, in my opinion. How, why did you decide to go that route? Well, and how and how has that benefited you? I guess over time. Well, the when we started, it was we, we kind of knew we were going to try to get to a million cigars a year. And when you do the math on the profit from a million cigars a year, you can't afford an outside sales force. You can't afford. You don't need to advertise. So you know we wanted to support a smaller number of stores, but then do it kind of you know direct as opposed to depending on other people to do it for us. And then we grew, we grew the, the, the brand through consumers, um, mainly through social media so that as opposed to, you know, depending on other people to do it for us. So, you know, we, we did in our first year, we did, you know, 120,000 cigars and then we did 250 and then we did 350 and then we did 450, 600, 800, until we got up to a million in terms of production. But all along the way, we basically produced behind the curve, meaning uh, we, because we age our cigars for four, three or four months before we package them, we, we kind of were always um, three, four months behind, you know, whatever the natural demand we could generate is. So um, as opposed to, you know, going and making you know, 50,000 cigars and then trying to figure out how to sell them, we went and, and, and got orders for cigars as we went and then just made the cigars kind of to order. Uh-huh. So there wasn't really so much selling as there was just kind of, you know, maintaining the relationships at, at the retail level. Uh-huh. I mean, there's challenges to the model. I mean, today we were talking about a retailer uh, in Ohio that's a big, it's a big retailer. And they, they do really low numbers, and it's because they don't really man- – what they really depend on is the reps to come in and kind of manage it for them. And because we don't have reps coming in to manage it, they do kind of a shit job with our, with our brand. So, you know, our discussion was either either they're going to figure out how to manage manage the inventory and earn earn their half of the, of the revenue, or, or they're going to – or, or we just got to drop them as a customer. And this is a customer nobody in their right mind would drop, you know. <laughs> I have an idea who you might be talking about. Yeah. Now, here, here, here's, here's my question to you in that sense. Um, how, like, we, we've talked about this, man, uh, a lot. And not every retailer is going to have the right 
no, I mean, no matter how prestigious they may be, they still, in, even if they like your product, they bring it in. It may not work there for a variety of reasons, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, in general, even some of the best retailers we, we haven't gone after or they haven't really worked out. I mean, Emerson's in Virginia is a good example. Um, it's a humongous <laughs> retailer, but it wasn't a good fit for us. So, you know, it, it you know, the, the, the benefit of only having 250, 300 customers at a time is, you know, you, you don't have to, you don't have to sell to everybody that wants it. And, and a store can do perfectly fine without our cigars. I'm not trying to say that it's not a good store if they don't do good with our cigars. Um, but it just doesn't make sense. If they want to do good with it, they can do good with it. I mean, it, you know, some stores it doesn't do great because it's not expensive enough. Some other stores it doesn't do great because uh, they, they don't really go in the humidor and, t you know, build relationships with customers. Uh, they, don't, they don't know how to order the way that they're supposed to order. Um, there's a lot of reasons why it's not, you know, why certain retailers wouldn't be a good fit. So... I guess uh, the, the, yeah, and definitely understand that. And I've said, and I'm not just saying this in front of you, the guys know that I've said this. Um, Roman, I don't even know if you still consider yourself quote-unquote boutique. Um, but to me, Rome is one of the few boutique brands that consistently moves in humidors um, that I see on the road. Well, uh, if, we're, if we're in the store, we probably yeah. do good there, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we were going through all, we go through all of our accounts at the beginning of every year and we categorize them. And I mean, Danny could tell you more about, you know, the characteristics of his accounts, but, you know, we have 32 core sizes. There's, you know, five each of ECBA and um, Whiskey Rebellion. And then there's seven Aquitaine, seven Cro-Magnon and three Neanderthal. So it's 32. Um, and there's probably 20% of our accounts that carry that have ordered every size in the last year, you know, two, three, four faces or, you know, two or three, four units of each. Uh, there's stores that do hundreds of units of each. Right. So, um, but then there's stores that carry, you know, 12, 15, if a store doesn't carry seven, eight, nine, um, we generally will kind of, you know, move on. Because they they're not building the brand, so. So, are you nope. saying that one one of the reasons for your success is your strong pullout game? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, look. So, the, in general, the way to go, and Mo could probably give you his perspective of how it's gone for him. But generally, the way it works is there's there's three thousand something humidors in the country, but there's really only about eighteen real tobacconists, cigar stores, right? It's 1,800. Yeah, 1,800. So out of the 1,800, what a lot of brands do is they go out on the road, they get brokers, their brokers sell into their accounts, they'll open up 100, 150 accounts, and then half of those accounts will never order again. And then they'll open up another 100, 150 accounts, and then half of those will never order again. And then the, the early ones kind of fall off. And then they'll get a review or something, and then They'll keep working their way through those 1,800 stores, and some of them they'll revisit and try to sell again, whatever their new brand is. But they're in this constant cycle of going up and then dying off and then going up and then dying off until eventually they run out of stores. 
and then they end up selling the super majority of their product through you know the big online stores and then they slowly you know die die off um yeah it's a kiss of death right and so you know in our entire history we've only opened something like 560 accounts so we still sell to 250 300 of those right so there's there's probably a thousand twelve hundred stores that we've never even been in right and Mm -hmm. you know we make a a little about a million cigars we sell a million cigars so you know we don't really go out and hunt new stores per se yeah Um, yeah and we're pretty selective about who we open up with and it's not as much about how much they order it's about whether they're a good fit for us you know we don't do terms we don't generally discount we want you to carry a decent amount, see how it works out. We want you to hand sell it, promote it to the customers. Um, we want you to be a partner, not just a, a vendor. Because look, man, you know, if we sell a cigar to a store for four dollars, they're going to sell it for eight dollars. They're making more on that individual cigar than we make. Yeah. But a lot of stores don't want to really do any work to earn that four dollars. Matt Booth said a really interesting thing. A couple, weeks. he said. About the reach around, about uh, yeah, yeah. no, but that, I would, I would, <clears throat> too. I wouldn't, I would enjoy, yeah, deeper thoughts on that. <laughs> but uh, he said, do, "Do my cigars not sell in your store, or do you not sell my cigars in your store?" And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, no, that's true. Look, I had a conversation with uh, George Brightman, who was a friend of mine for a long time. He was uh, the Hilarious. general manager. He was a general manager at, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say he's an acquaintance of mine for a long time. Um, he, he, uh, he was a general manager at Drapers in, uh-huh. uh, in, uh, in, uh, Bethesda, Maryland. Yeah. Yep. And I used to go out there for the DC tweet up in our first four or five years. Uh, and I, we, we would always make a stop at, 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 uh, Bethesda and, when we had the Fomorian came out, I think it was like 2014, 2015. He, you know, he goes, "Hi, you know, Skippy, this is an interesting cigar. Do you know how Kendall is made?" I'm like, "Yeah, George, I own a cigar factory. I buy the tobacco, (laughs) 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 but please tell me, uh, you know." So, so, um, so he tells me the whole history of Candela, which he's like an encyclopedia of of tobacco. So, um. So he says, "How come you never asked me to carry to to buy to get an order from me?" I was like, "I don't know, George. We, you want to get it, you want to give me an order?" He goes, "No." <laughs> I'm like, well, that's what I never asked you, you cocksucker. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it, I'm, I'm like, he goes, "Well, let me tell you. Do you want to know why I, I don't I don't want them?" I was like, well, "Okay, mm-hmm. sure, tell me." And he said, "Because your cigars don't sell themselves." I was like, "Well, what do you mean by that?" He goes. <clears throat> In my humidor, I got Padron, I got Fuente. People walk in, they grab it, they walk up to the register, then they leave, mm-hmm. or they yeah. sit down and smoke. I don't have to really say anything to them. I don't, I don't have to, to, to explain it to them. I don't have to do anything. If I put cigars in there like Tatuaje and Illusion, they just don't sell. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, why is that? He goes, because nobody knows what they are. The guys that come into our store, they, they, they sit there in the humidor. And it's one of our people has to actually walk in there, tell them about it, put it in their hand, walk them to the register, get them to buy it, and then, you know, it's just not worth it. And I was like, well, look, 
you know, it's not my job to sell cigars. You know, it's my job to make sure you can resell cigars. And what, mm. what, that, what that means is um, I, I make the cigar. I sell it to a good partner who has, you know, experienced, uh, educated, engaged tobacco retail partner. Who, who has people who walk in the humidor, who can educate customers, that know what kind of cigars the customers like, that, that knows what they bought last time. And if those guys put this, my cigar in the right guy's hand, I, I, can make the, I will make that cigar consistently available. Uh, I will make that cigar consistent in quality. I, I, try, I try to do my best to make it a good value. So all the things that I do are to make sure you can resell the cigar. So if a guy comes in and says, man, that was a really good cigar you gave me last time, and, and, and you have to tell him, oh, well, it's not available, or, you know, yeah, it was good, but it's too expensive, all those things are my job. But it's not my job to, to, sell, to sell to your – even though we do, you know, we drive demand at the, at the consumer level, and a lot of stores we have were built – based on the relationships that we had with customers and just, you know, delivering that business to the retailer. So, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you, if you put the cigar in the right guy's hands and you, and you build a, you know, you build a, you, you do all the things you're supposed to do and the customer doesn't rebuy it, then that's, that's on me. That's not on you. Yeah. But if, if you don't, if you don't do your job, and and the cigars don't move off, fly off the shelf. Then then guess what? That's that's you. Yeah. So, you know, it's this it's this this dip, you know this uh, the biggest weakness I think in our business is retailers with that mentality, right? Like, here's the guy George Brightman who has tons of or years of experience in retail tobacco, and and has this perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, my second thing I said to him was, look, if you don't add any value to the transaction, then, then you know, you're going to be bitching tomorrow that they're getting all these, you know, cigars uh, for online. Because mm-hmm. if you're not adding any value, then, then why the hell are they driving, finding a parking space, walking in here, other than the ones they sit down and smoke? Yeah. But they're going to they're gonna be buying the rest of their cigars online. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, you know... You know what value are are you? Yeah. What yeah. what value have you added other than the lounge, right? Well, and I've been to a lot of shops, right? And what are what are the employees doing in the shop if they're not helping you pick a cigar and figure it out, right? Like they're running the register because the owner doesn't want to be there. Yeah, That's like the, the owner sometimes one. like has a full time job, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of times they just need a fucking body, mm-hmm. somebody that won't steal, maybe. And or at least make sure other yeah. people, at least yeah. make sure other people don't steal. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, and that's really a good portion of it, you know. Um, unfortunately, so when when you have that that perfect storm of engaged, it doesn't even have to be really engaged owner, but let's say an engaged general manager that has yep. carte uh, carte blanche, right? Like they can order, yes. they can make all the decisions. Yeah, and and they know their customer base, and they're they understand well since we're talking about Roma. They understand our buying patterns and 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 stuff like that. And they're a fan of it. You're going to end up with you know Riverside and Tobacology and Cigar Hustler and um, you know shops like that that just absolutely murder it. 
And then you're going to end up, the problem is then you're going to end up with stores. Well, how come these guys get that and they get this and they, it's like, man, because they're doing it all right. Like I I'm willing to help you, but if you're not going to put forth the effort that owning a cigar shop takes, then you know, what, why do you want this? Because you're not, you know, you're not going to work towards it anyway. So do you, do you want it just to be able to say you have it? Then, you know, that's, that's a lot, that's more work for me. Right. Danny, you touched on something extremely important and that was, Oh yeah. I was the, the, yeah. <laughs> the owner doesn't necessarily have to be that engaged if he empowers his manager. And if the manager is empowered and runs it the right way, you know, your possibilities are endless, but that unfortunately is, I mean, there's a few examples I have off the top of my head where that happens. Yeah. Like but, Vince um, at BNB, right? Vince has been on the show. Yeah. yeah Vince and Eli at smoke and, and those guys, mm-hmm. I mean, those guys are empowered managers. That's, you know, that's as good as dealing with the owner. And the owners are, are good people, too. So, obviously, Costa, and I've actually never met the owner. Of, to give you perspective, you know, I've never even met the owner of b and I've only known Vince, right? Oh, okay. But, yep. the, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but, I mean, if I'm talking from a consumer perspective, mm-hmm. um, look, man, there's, there's something like um, 3 million people who smoke cigars. Yeah. About about a million and a half of those people smoke like commercial cigars, mass market cigars, mm-hmm. like like Swisher Sweet and then Black and Mild. Mm-hmm. Another five hundred, six hundred thousand smoke, you know, cheap bundle cigar from Thompson's, right? Mass market premium cigars. So, you know, you're you're left with about three hundred thousand or so, four hundred thousand or so premiums guys who walk into shops and buy cigars or buy mm-hmm. online premium cigars out of that three, 400,000, there's like maybe 30, 40,000 hardcore in the culture yep. cigar guys, you know, that listen yeah. to blogs that, that actually sit in stores that, that buy things. Yep. And, and those guys are out there finding out about things that you don't have in your store, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're online, they're in cigar groups, they're in cigar cartel, they're in all these groups, Right. And even if they only smoke one, three cigars a week, they want to walk into a store and buy the cigars that they that they saw one of their friends post online, right? Mm-hmm. And and that annoys shop owners, which which blows my mind, right? Because they're like, oh well, you know, the guy's going to see this, you know, Roma Craft cigar. He's going to come in here and ask for it, and then I'm going to buy it, and then nobody else is going to buy it again. And, you know, that's just the wrong way to look at it. The right way to look at it is here's a cigar that you can differentiate yourself from the other stores in your area, that you can differentiate yourself from from um, online in terms of, you know, you can get a Macanoodle Hyde Park Cafe for 30% less almost anywhere online. Mm-hmm. But, you, but you shouldn't be able to find Aromacraft online for that cheap. Number one, we don't sell a lot to those people, and we don't really, like, let them discount. So if you can put a cigar in a guy's hand and say, hey, we're, the, you know, one of the few shops in the area that carry this, um, you know, it's, it's a good price, it's, it's consistent, it's a really good quality tobacco, and, and that influencers in your lounge uh, telling people about that cigar, then you've just added value as a retailer to that customer and their, and their experience. Um, yes. So, you know, I don't know. There, there's no right or wrong way to do it. 
just there's stores that do it the way that works for us, you know. So if they yeah. do it in a way that doesn't work for us, then then they really aren't good partners for us. And it goes back to what you said about us being like Padron. Um, we don't we don't really want to go after accounts and then you know, but and then go through the churn. Right. Um, we know that there's a certain number of accounts that are a good fit for us, and we make enough cigars to keep those guys happy. Yep. So. And Mo, you know this. You've said it before. It's like if you go after a store and they bring your, sh- they 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 sometimes feel like they've just done you a favor. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's kind of also like the psychology of like, like, uh, like I don't want to go after the store because the guy's just gonna now act like I owe him something. When kind of what Skip said, you know, like Skip said, they make more off it than we do. Um, yeah, and, the, the money in, in this is in retail, for those who don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you're good at retail. If you're not good at retail, then, you, you know, you, you, you sit around. Well, I mean, my, my favorite thing, which is my least favorite thing, is, <laughs> is when um, – is when you know I walk into a store. I'm out somewhere outside of town. I walk into a store maybe I've never been in. I walk in the humidor. Nobody comes with me. Mm-hmm. I go up, walk up to the register, and then some old guy in the in the lounge, you know, goes, <sighs> you know, and gets up and out of his fucking chair <laughs> like I fucking inconvenienced him by buying a handful of you know. I I just spent eighty ninety dollars on cigars, and it's like for real, dude. Like what the fuck are you doing here? Like yeah. what? What what are you here for? Yeah. This is just a front for the mob, all right? I don't, it's like, I don't actually it's a, sell anything. It's like a it's like a waiting room for old white guys waiting to die, you know? <laughs> that's, that's damn right. <laughs> so I don't know. That's good. You know, I'll, I'll, yeah, sorry, go ahead. You know, I, I don't want to talk about it in the sense of, of a brand owner because it seems self serving, but yeah. look, man, eat I own a factory, and I still buy five thousand cigars, five thousand dollars worth of cigars a year in retail shops as a customer. Yeah, you know, um, so I, I, I'm still a consumer. I could still talk as a consumer. Sure. It's like when I, you see my Instagram, I post cigars from other companies all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those, a lot of those are given to me, but a lot of them I buy and. If I paid my money for it, I'm going to give you my opinion on it. Like, you know, well, you shouldn't say stuff about other companies. It's like, well, um, I paid my own money for it, so. Fuck you. You know, whatever. That's that's Drew's response. Yeah. To everything. Fuck them. Pretty much. For for those who don't know, George Brightman, I I had the opportunity to sit with him for a few hours one night when I was in Philly. He does these, um. I don't even know exactly what it is. Uh, he does these classes for like people getting into cigars, like and how to. I don't know exactly what it is to be honest, but he does them at a place called Pairing Cigar Bar in Media, Pennsylvania. Or at least he was like an eight-week thing at the time. But that guy is—he's hilarious, and he has a lot of stories. Um, yeah, he, and he if knows. you get the opportunity, I think you know to sit down with that guy for anybody who's listening, you should. He's a very interesting person. When I lived in Bethesda, him and I used to meet up all the time at Davidus. Yes, he's a, yep. Down. He mentioned and, you, yep. And uh, it just, 
I think Encyclopedia is right. I think Rolodex is right. I mean, he knows everybody. Everybody knows him. And it's just, um, if you can find him, he's a little worse Waldo these days, but he's definitely a cool guy. All right. Yeah, but but it's just it's just a question of I mean I mean you guys are pure consumers, uh, Drew. So like wh- I mean like what do you what is your perspective on th- on what I just said? As a consumer, I mean, in one hand you're a consumer, you don't really give a shit about all the back end deep industry bullshit. Um, but as a consumer, does it ring kind of true what I'm what I'm saying about the stores? Oh, absolutely. Most of the stores. Uh in in this area um and i travel to like oklahoma city dallas area kansas city occasionally so most of the stores here i hate to say it but they just ask you if they come and see you they ask hey you finding everything fine and i mean i think as as a new cigar smoker not not me currently but as a new cigar smoker that was kind of like uh not not intimidating, but almost like, ooh, I don't want to sound like a dumbass, so I'm going to say everything's cool. Um, so I think it turns away a lot of people, too, to, from from even coming back to that shop versus if you do ask, hey, man, can I suggest something? We just got this in. Or, you know, hey, what do you what do you like to smoke? What, have you, what, have, what was your last cigar? I haven't seen you here before. You know, stuff like that gets you involved, um, keeps you coming back to that shop, even if they, they don't have a ton of knowledge cigar knowledge where it came from and whatnot but uh just being involved i know there's a really good shop i go to in oklahoma city that every time you walk in there the people are great not overbearing because i hate that too to where they're just like following you around waiting on you to steal something but like they want to help you um so there is a cross between the two (laughs) say you know i've got customers that have been smoking the same thing forever you know they they really are annoyed when you ask them to try something new um, I, I have customers that, that, you know, have been smoking for a long time and they're really annoyed when you try to teach them something. And it's like, well, then those customers are lost yeah. because, because they've already been trained how to be that kind of customer by decades of being with shitty retailers. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yep. I can tell you when I had a store, nobody was like that. Right. I mean, there was a guy who smoked the exact same thing every time. And, you know, I went out and studied the history of that thing and we would just sit and talk about it. And, and you know, who did he used to buy from? We talk about the history of the cigar business, you know, his history of smoking cigars. You know, I don't have to necessarily try to try to to sell him something uh, different to build a relationship with it. You have to know each guy and know and know, you know, how to approach them. But you have to build a relationship with them. And you can't build a relationship with them just by, you know, ringing the cash register for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's people make really quick snap judgments, like to the level that we say that a lot, but I don't think we actually understand how, how quick it is. Um, so I've been involved in teaching and training stuff for many years, right? And if you take three seconds of silent footage of a teacher teaching and watch that, you can predict how their students are going to rate their abilities at the end of a semester. Three seconds of silent footage. Now imagine you walk into a cigar shop, right? Those, that quick snap judgment is just the same thing. Is, mm-hmm. is somebody here and welcoming? Is somebody care? Do they have stuff I like? Does this look okay, right? Like 
boom, that's done. There's not another chance. That judgment's made. Yeah, absolutely. I'll say this, that there's, um, there's kind of this next generation of cigar shop owners that is coming up that is more um, or becoming more uh, analytics based, more customer service um, focused. Uh, it's kind of interesting seeing that too. It, it's a very small portion at this point, but it's becoming more and more. You're starting to see those guys that manage the shop for five to 10 years or whatever now buying that shop that they managed and taking it in a little bit of a different direction and being more focused on the things that Drew's talking about and Cal's talking about and Skip's talking about and Danny's talking about. So you are seeing that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we have 250, 300 really good stores, right? So, um, you know, but I I think that the retailer is the... I I always tell people like this. I, I was the guy who smoked a few cigars a month depending on when I was going out to see and, 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 you know, buying a couple of cigars to smoke while, while I was doing maneuvering watch because the officer in charge who did that would let me do be maneuvering watch if I brought him a cigar. Right. So I went from, you know, buying a couple of cigars here and there. And then a friend of mine who was on the, the enterprise, he, uh, he was going out to sea for six months and he had a humidor of, of, 80 graves of money makers. And he's like, Hey, can you take care of this humidor while I'm, you know, out at sea? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, and, and so by the time he got back, they were all gone. Right. <laughs> um, so, so the, the, the thing with it was though, is that I had to go into the store. I had to, uh, Hey, I've been smoking this guy's cigars. You know, I don't know what it is. This is what it looks like. And then uh, that retailer kind of took me under his wing and a, and a, and a restaurant tour who had smoking at the time took me as a, under his wing. And I got really deeply involved in the culture and then ultimately ended up spending, you know, millions of dollars between, you know, probably I've probably smoked 50, 60,000 cigars in my life, something like that. So you figure it, you know, six dollars a piece, you know, that's you know, $400,000 worth of cigars plus millions of dollars worth of tobacco plus a factory plus, you know, a brand. So I went from a guy who smoked a couple of cigars to a guy who was, you know, as deep as you can get into the culture. And I, I always wonder, you know, that guy that's out there buying two or three cigars a month now, who's there to turn that guy into me? Yeah. Right. Or, or into Danny or into Mo or into, you know, Drew. You know, you, you've got, and I'm not trying to say, you know, get young people involved so you can get them hooked on the habit. I'm saying, because I don't, I don't believe it's habitual, but I, I think, you know, that we're not doing it a good, as good of a job as an industry building customers the way that my retailer built me. Oh, no, I agree with that 100%. And, and so that's, that's why, you know, that's a challenge. Um, I, I don't. I never say that there's too many cigar brands out there because I figure the market will always correct itself out. But the way that we market cigars with these events, you know, everybody come buy two, three boxes, you know, be cool online. You got guys that are going into credit card debt and 
they got tons of cigars in their house and coolers and shit that they that they'll never yeah. be able to smoke. And it's like that's not what this is about. I, I never really, honestly, until I had a store, the largest humidor I had was like a two hundred fifty count humidor. Yeah. And that's 15 years of smoking six, seven cigars a day. I had a 250-count humidor. And maybe I would keep a box or two at the store uh, with my name on them just because I bought them, uh, you know, and didn't have a place to store them. So, um, but there's no need to buy, you know, as much as these guys buy. It's more about finding things that they like, buying a couple, and then and then buying, you know, a couple of the next thing, you know. Now, we are not encouraging our weasels to not buy by the box all the time, though. Just FYI, they can continue. Let me say something here to, to add to Skip's point on that. The, the bigger cigar companies kind of created that culture, though. And then what happened was the smaller ones started feeling like they needed to do that, too. And when I say smaller, I mean you know, maybe um, a touch under, right, than, than the big boys. We've talked about that kind of middle ground that's no longer boutique, but not big boy either. But that culture was created by them. And then people felt like, other brands felt like they had to follow that same thing. Well, I think it was created around this event culture, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, buy a box, buy five boxes, buy ten boxes, you know, the, right. Rock, the Rocky Patel, you know, type of model and while that may sell a bunch of cigars at at a particular store on a particular night um i don't know that that necessarily does i mean look if you if you buy a handful of romas every time you walk into a store Mm -hmm. and then you can come in and buy you know 50 of them at at a discount at an event then you know you're buying a couple of weeks worth of cigars but if you come in and buy if you come in and buy five boxes of you know patina mm-hmm. that and then and then and then you smoke one or two you know and then you store them um that that guy is not going to have a good overall opinion of patina mm-hmm. in the long run because he's like well you know he, he got me at the event because yep. he, he was a cool guy and but you know um it's it's not my cup of tea maybe he would have liked some the Maybe he, he would have liked the Patina Maduro better or the, you know, whatever your next thing was. Yeah. yeah. But now he's got four boxes of your original cigars and he, he feels like he got got, you know? Yeah. So did that problem get compounded with the, the fact that you can't give out samples anymore? I, I don't think so. I We never really gave out. A, I mean, first of all, I give cigars to people all the time because it's my cigars and, you know, I don't do it as a marketing gesture. I do it as a, as a brother of the leaf. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know that the sampling thing has really changed anything for us that, you know, significantly. It's legit. I guess I wonder more about like a super small company, right. Where, it might be. I don't want to buy five, but I want to try one. So maybe I just maybe I just buy that one, and that's fine. Then. Well, I would I would tell that guy to go go try somebody else's cigar, right? Because now, if if you're a guy that I know online and I run into you, I might give you one. But I'm not saying you know, 
I'm giving you one so you'll buy more. I'm giving you one right. just because, you know, that's what a a guy does, right? Yep, for sure. Um, I feel like I have, the generosity to... that you're talking about is almost a dying art. Well, this is the way I look at it, right? It's not like you're you're investing a thousand dollars. It's fucking eight dollars. If you don't like it, then okay, it's eight dollars. You know. It, it costs you about as much as a beer in a bar, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you don't like it, then, you know, that that finding that out costs you eight dollars. I don't have to guarantee that you like it in order for if I do my job correctly, I'm not going to give you a cigar that you're not going to like. Like you know, if someone says, yeah. "Hey, uh, you know, I usually smoke you know really mild Dominican cigars, and I don't really smoke a lot of Nicaraguan cigars," and I go. Hey, how about buying this box of Neanderthal? I'll give you one for free. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's you know, not good. Yeah, that guy's not gonna walk away happy either way, right? Right. For sure. For sure. There's something to educating your customer, though, or expanding their palate. Like I've always said, like, oh, these guys like you know these milder, and like, yeah, okay, like mild. But that doesn't mean you don't graduate them up to to a medium, right? And then expand it right if you got a guy that's always buying macanudo whites right or whatever it is and then you know as a going back to the retail conversation i think it's part of their job to educate hey man you like that you've been smoking it for a while once you try one of these you know and on the retailer side you know you can give them one or give them a discount on on the one let them try it and then now maybe that guy buys his mild and the medium and and you know you're you're helping move the industry or your client base to at least uh, forward and up and, and, and educating and putting effort into what you're doing, right? Like, yeah. I, I always love educating. Get them out yeah, of the I, I think that's true. I guess what I'm saying is I'm a big believer in, in the hard sell to the retailers because a lot of retailers mm-hmm. need to be pushed. It's, sure. like, it's like, hey – uh, you know, we've got envy coming in in the next shipment, then it's not going to be coming in for the next, you know, two shipments, three shipments. How are you doing on envy? Oh, I got a half a box. It's like, right. well, what if a guy who smokes that comes in to buy a box? You need to have a box to, to back a bundle to backfill the box you have on the shelf, and you need a box on an inventory to sell in case a guy walks in that wants a, a whole box. And 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 you know, and you have to push them to do that because. Left to their own devices, they'll do the least amount possible, right? Um, but I really don't believe in hard-selling customers, and I, and I really believe in the opposite, which is sell them less. You know, tell customers, hey, you know, this may not be for you. You know, trust me as your tobacconist. Um, it's pretty funny. We do that with. I think we do that with retailers, right? I'm like, hey, how are you looking on uh, whatever brotherly kindness? I'm like, no, it's it's in stock. I got a lot of it coming. You know, I I know you have three or four of those on you know in stock. You can hold off on that right now, and and that just builds the trust, right? Like, I'm gonna sell all my brotherly kindness anyway. I don't want to cram it down this guy's throat. I'd rather build a relationship with him, and then maybe there's something else he hasn't bought, right? And sell him that. But um, you know, I, I think we even do that on, on the manufacturing and sales side. Is, is we, it's more important to build that relationship and trust with our retailers than to sell them one more fucking box, right? Because the next time when I tell him, hey, there's not a lot of brotherly kindness, 
I think you should load up. He's going to be like, you know what, dude, you take care of me. Right, fuck yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And, uh, I think we do that all the time as well. You know, and the good, the good ones do. Or sure yeah. I don't know. So, I, I think, I think in general, a lot of, a lot of people push things on people that are short term satisfaction. And again, like Danny said, you know, we only make so many cigars, so someone's going to buy it. I, you know, if you don't buy it, it's not going to be, it's not going to hurt my feeling, you know, um, someone else is, is looking for that. So, you know, if you buy it, someone's going to be on back order. So, you know, it's, 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 it's easy. It's easier to, to have this attitude when you don't have a warehouse full of cigars, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to be working in the long game, even if the short game doesn't always go perfectly. Well, the long game for sure is a good way to say, you know, to, to describe what we do. Um, because we're not very short-term focused in, in any way at all. That's, that's the way to build, man. Yep. If you look at any any successful company, that's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, I mean, that it, it's kind of the mentality of like, you know, people don't want to buy extra for synthetic, right? Synthetic oil for their car. But you can go 10,000 miles on it as opposed to buying the cheap oil and now you have to do, you can only go 3,000 and you got to get three oil changes a year or four oil changes a year uh, as opposed to one. Right. And, that, and then that's kind of the mentality of like, if you do it right now, although it seems like there's a higher cost involved the, in the, you know, the long term, it's going to be easier for you. And I think from the consumer side, the retailer side, the manufacturer side, a lot of people lose sight of that for some reason. Um, it's, it's almost like, man, I, you know, I don't know where my next sale is going to come from. So I need to get it all right now. Yeah. It's definitely the whole lifetime uh, value of a customer thought process. I mean, if, if, you know, my tobacconist was looking at me as, oh, this guy comes in once a month to buy two cigars, he would have really missed out on a lot of money, right? <laughs> yeah, quite a lot. Uh, nice. So switching gears a little bit, uh, since we have both Skip and Danny here, uh, one question I'm wondering about for everybody is, uh, did you guys weasel anything cool in 2019? What's the coolest thing that you <coughs> weaseled recently? Mm. <coughs> Although I'm not question. sure you can actually say that you weaseled it or not, because that might be bad. I we- the coolest thing I weaseled all year was I weaseled a bundle of Steve Saka's Tricky Trakas with with the label on them from the factory before Steve got his first one. <laughs> so I went nice. over to, so Raul uh, called Esteban and, and asked for something for his cousin or sometimes somebody, his brother in Florida. And um, Esteban said, Hey, can I give this bundle to Raul? And I said, yeah, can he give me a bundle of tricky traca? He goes, okay. I said, but I want labels on it. And Steve had blended it with Raul and then, set the production schedule, but Steve hadn't been back to actually smoke any of the production. So I took a picture of the bundle of cigars and put them up online. (laughs) (laughs) Steve had just posted like this long thing about, you know, how it's going to take longer and he, you know, he doesn't even have any and, you know, people are asking about it. And I said, Oh, you mean these? (laughs) And I I had a whole (laughs) bundle of them. 
it wasn't about the cigars. It was about the absolute troll value. Yeah, it was oh. a pow- it was a power move. And then he's like, <laughs> "You stole those." I'm like, first of all, these belong to the factory, not you. Second of all, I traded for them. <laughs> and, then, and then he t- he came back and told Raul, "Hey, don't give Skip cigars with labels on it." And Raul said, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> oh, man. When we talk about guys that that people don't know and really need to, Raul Diesel is another one. Esteban Diesel is another one. These are guys that don't. Um, well, that's, I guess he's a, a lot better known because of the success of Romacraft recently and, and kind of getting out there with Guaymaro and or Guaymaro and all that. But Raul is really not known to your to your average guy uh, or gal, um, and they really should. The guy's very talented, and well, he's Esteban's brother. So I think it says a lot too about the way the way we from the very beginning have promoted Esteban as one of our partners mm-hmm. who, who, who is equally responsible in the way some brand owners don't like to put shine on their factory. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think there's a, you know, um, you know, you don't have a, a, a big investment in people thinking you're some kind of like master tobacco blender. So you don't have, you know, when you go out and say, look, you know, I, I, I put my stamp of approval on this, but I leaned, you know, on Raul for a lot of the work. Um, that helps you. You know, mm-hmm. I guess people like Steve and, and, and Christian Rowe and people like that. I mean, a lot, Christian absolutely doesn't tell anybody that that, that factory makes asylum, for example. <laughs> I mean, he goes out of his way not to mention it, right? Mm-hmm. Because as a guy who owns his own operation, his farms and everything else, I think it just is anthema to him to actually admit that another factory makes cigars for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Well, I also, when Christian started making cigars there, it wasn't a very good factory. Mm-hmm. They, they made pretty shitty cigars. So um, when Raul took over, and, and, and Saka deserves a lot of credit for this too, coming in there and saying, I'm going to give you my production, but... I'm going to come here and help you get this shit, you know, straightened out with Raul because, you know, um, the way you guys have been doing it, you know, Noxa was originally built just to consume the tobacco at, at Nicaprosa that nobody else bought, right? Mm-hmm. And it was bundles and big bulk stuff. And, um, you know, Asylum changed that. Of course, there's a lot of that kind of tobacco in a, in a 70 <laughs> ring gauge cigar. But, sure. um, <laughs> You know, and, and look, Tom. Tom, uh, if I had, if I, Tom probably sells more of those big fat cigars than we sell in Romacraft, right? So, I'm not yeah. talking. I'm not talking smack about Tom. He's, I have a lot of respect for him and for Christian. He was a friend of mine. But, you know, it is what it is. Everybody doesn't use the best tobacco. Yep. You know, that's that's. What? <laughs> Well, I don't even know what the best tobacco means, to be honest with you. Um, that's kind of like a, a bullshit thing to begin with. But you know, um, we and we've you know we talked about. I've mentioned Gus on the podcast, another guy that people don't know about that really makes a lot of things happen, right? Um, there's just so many unsung people behind the scenes. Maybe not. Maybe that's the wrong word to use, but people that just your average consumer doesn't hear about that really play a big role in so many of the cigars that you enjoy, you know? But I would argue that your average consumer doesn't have a way 
to know that those people are out there. Right. And, and it goes back to Skip's point, right? Like, for me, I love hyping up Raul. I love hyping up the factory because the, the more prestigious <laughs> the factory is, the more prestigious your cigar, right? It's like if Pastania, is that, that's how you say it, right? Um, sure. If their their success is magnified, if Nika Sueño is considered a top like a top factor, like a factory that puts out good cigars, that's going to help them. Working sure. with Skip and Esteban, that helps them, right? Like Skip said, it's it it really is, and it should be a relationship in which there is a building of, of each other. The factory helps build the, not build the brand per se, but lends credibility to the brand. And then the brand lends credibility to the factory through putting out good stuff. Well, in a, in a way that's true for, you know, those 30, 50,000 consumers for, for the other 250,000, you know, they could care. They don't even give a fuck what factory. They don't even care what country it came from, really. I mean, sure. yeah. they just, you know, they don't give a shit about the people's names. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, you know, this was made by Nick Malilo. It's like, who the fuck is Nick Malilo? Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like, I like the cigar. I can't pronounce it, but I like it. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. You is know, that the foundation motto. The Guaguense. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So, you know, but then for those thirty or fifty thousand guys, they it really matters that you know they know Nick makes this one at Hoya, this one at AJ, this one at mm-hmm. Aganorsa. They know, uh, you know, Max at Aganorsa. They know that it's Eduardo Fernandez's factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know, um, you know, they maybe know Jacinto, know of Jacinto, or you know they've been to the factory before, whatever, and and that that just deepens the engagement for those for those guys now in terms of spend though that 30 to 50,000 people smokers that are that are what I call cigar smokers not people who smoke cigars Um, (coughs) those people dollar spend though is so equals how many of your other end of the consumer spectrum I don't know. I mean, those guys that smoke, I'd love to know that those guys that smoke a bundle a week of no name cigars, they they account for a lot of margin, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guys that smoke acid, you know, they they account for a lot of margin. So, mm-hmm. um, I would say, you know, they probably smoke a lot more, or they they probably buy more than what they smoke. Number one, oh, yeah. you know, what I said earlier, and then they also you know, um, smoke a lot more on average than, than most people. So, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of manufacturers don't necessarily like those guys because they feel like they're not loyal because they buy a lot of different things. You know, they would yeah. rather have, they would rather have a customer that buys, you know, five boxes a month of, you know, brand X or whatever. And for me, I don't want a guy who buys just my cigars. I mean, if there's a guy who buys a lot of my cigars, I certainly appreciate that. But, I would rather have a guy that smokes a lot of things and then keeps coming back to my stuff, you know. You know the proverbial he he goes in and buys a handful of cigars. I just want at least one of those to be mine. Yeah. All the time. That'll do it. 
Yeah, I'm with you. So, so speaking of that, that kind of similar topic here, uh, what brands should we be watching in 2020 that seem to be doing good things right now? Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of, I mean, you know, Tina, <laughs> um, nice. I smoke. So honestly, um, you know, I won't say anything cause I don't really have a lot of good things to say about what you were doing before who you were doing it with or whatever. Um, but I can, I know that switching from one factory to another one is not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And and you've done it the right way. And I think, I don't know how you feel about the quality of your cigars now versus the quality before, but I think that they're a lot better than they were before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Mo's a real nice guy. He won't say that. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I don't even want to bring up anything past, but I'm just saying, I think there's been kind of a, you know, if somebody liked Patina before, they're, they're going to like it even more. No. So, um, I'm glad Tyler came and blended that for you. No, I know, man. It was, it was very <laughs> nice of him. It was very the massive sweet hard move, Tyler. Yeah. Hard move. Um, yeah. I I don't know. Name 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 some brands, and I'll, I'll kind of give you my thumbs up or thumb. I won't give any thumbs down, but. So what do we get if it's not good? <laughs> he'll, he'll just move on. Silent. He'll just move on. All right. Well, uh, okay. We'll hold talk. on a second. So I okay. think. So I think number one, there, there are. There's a. Is it is it an interesting one to watch because the quality of the cigars and the and the interesting things they're doing with tobacco. That's number one. Number two would be, are are the, are, are their cigars good? But they're not really built to last. Meaning, you know, the way they're doing their company isn't necessarily going to to work out in the long run i wouldn't really get invested as a retailer in a brand that you know knowing uh you know you know knowing that the bait the foundation is not built to work because there's those brands come and go mm-hmm. right yeah. um, I, i'll give you a good example uh, of one that i think is really doing great stuff is crux as an example um crux has always built built their stuff for the long run but they completely even in the face of the fda they completely redesigned all their packaging they're they're doing things in in new factories um and you know everything they make is really good i mean it's smokable it's a good price it's it's beautiful packaging and as a retailer that's the kind of brand that you really ought to bring in and get invested in because you know they're doing it the right way not just the tobacco but also as a company right yeah, so I guess let's let's give you a little plausible deniability and go with either one that you feel like because I don't want to have end up feeling like you're shitting on something. If that's fair. Okay. Uh, Look, I, if if I don't like something, I will absolutely tell you I don't like it. But the thing is, people get pussy hurt over it just because that's my personal opinion. That's legit. That is legit. All right. So, so I guess stock price on on foundation cigars. Did you go up or down? I mean, I think everything Nick Nick makes is good. Um, he he knows tobacco better than I do. Um, he's working with really good factories. Um, 
I don't really understand his U.S. based kind of like the way he does brokers or reps or whatever. I don't I don't really know much about it, so I can't tell you on that side of it how 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 working with him is. But um, I mean, cigar aficionado and all and all these people and the big retailers they certainly have his back. So um, you're not going to lose money selling foundations. That's true. Uh, what about La Flor Dominicana? One of my favorite brands. Um, a lot of feedback from from stores and stuff is that they they that they have challenges getting um, the product that they need. And, and I know that the factory has really been growing to, to, to meet all the demand from from the uh, from from their you know cigar of the year thing. Um, but I mean that's a a really well-run company. It's um, they make great cigars. One of my favorite cigars to buy, personally. Nice. Um, I'm just gonna go with a couple more because I'm curious. Uh, where are you at on uh, Room 101? Um, I think. I mean, look. I mean, Matt. Matt made made the CA list this year. I think he's he's settling down into a relationship with the company. He's doing it. Um, He's doing it himself instead of kind of being on the back of someone else, uh, which is really positive. And, you know, look, Matt's a Matt's really focused. I think, well, he's first of all, he's learned a lot in 10 years, just like I have. Mm-hmm. And, and he's applying that. So, again, I, I don't think you're going to go broke selling, you know, ordering room 101 and putting it on the shelf. I, I think if you're a consumer, there's definitely something unique and different there. So. Okay. Uh, what about one that, that Cigar Aficionado liked but has a different kind of business model going these days is Warped. Where are you at on Warped? Um, you know, I've always liked the cigars that Kyle um, has given me. Um, it's not a cigar that I pick up in the store just because I feel like it's it's pretty pricey for what it is. Um, I really, really, really like his aesthetic and his branding. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't, you know, I don't know how, com- I mean, he's all over the place with coffee and, you know, all kinds Wine. of stuff. I yeah, I don't know how really deep in the game he is committed to building. You know, it's like you go to a, a cigar factory and you, and you get them to make your cigars for you. There's a, there's, a, there's a way to do that where you're super engaged and there's a way to do that where, you know, you're you're basically just co-packing an idea. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I would say on that one, uh, I really like Kyle. I really like his cigars. They're made at a great factory, but just kind of like Viaje, I don't know if it's something that appeals to me as a consumer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny how many of these actually match up in my mind, which is weird. Uh, all right. Here's, here's a, the, the last one I'm curious about, which is not Avo. Uh, we're not going to get into that one. Uh, what about Atabay and Byron and those guys? Man, Atabay, Byron, you know, I think is is really good, but it's it's you know it's there's a lot of stuff out there like it for especially for the price. And Atabay is super pricey, but it is a great cigar. I mean, every time I smoke one, I, I'm just like, this is a great cigar. But you know, it better be for the price, right? Yeah, you don't um, get to miss at thirty dollars. Right, right, exactly. Um, 
And I think um, I think you, the United Cigar guys are doing a great job, you know, of getting the word out the right way. Dave's a retailer, but Dave's learned a lot of lessons the hard way when it comes to actually being on the other side of the ball, right? And trying to sell to other stores because not not, not very many retailers are as good as he is. So, and they don't run their business the way he does. So, but I think, you know, if you go below Atabay in the United line, just the basic United line is a great cigar for the price. I think it's like five bucks, right? Yeah, they go cheap. Yeah, I mean, that's, there's not very many good $5 cigars out there anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes back to what I was saying about consumers. Like, if you like smoking two or three cigars a day, you don't have to, you know, be buying $10, $15 cigars. You can smoke a United every day. And, and be completely satisfied, you know, maybe it's not as cool to post on Twitter as a black Irish, but it's, <coughs> you're not going to get a divorce over having $15,000 credit card debt, you know? <laughs> yeah. And nobody posts everything they smoke anyway. So it doesn't matter. Right. Okay. But I still think you should post it. I mean, it's a good cigar. For sure. For sure. It's not, it's not unpostable. By any means. Um, so, so I have one more question before I kind of let the other guys loose on questions. Uh, this is this is what I'm very curious about, right? So our listeners love Danny. Danny's this great dude, right? Oh, what are God, some cool things go. about Danny? Feel free to mute. Oh, Cal- get the Vaseline. We lost. Get the Vaseline. Oh, we lost. Can I just, can lost. I just tell you that? The, can I talk shit about Danny? Maybe. Yeah, do that. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> So here's the thing about Danny. Oh God! If you're with a group of guys, and the quick, the quick kind of, you know, uh, like dig on somebody, you know, like busting on somebody, that's hilarious as long as you're not the target. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes he says some shit. I just have to like laugh, just because I'm like, man, I, I'm glad I wasn't the target of that one. But. <laughs> On the flip side, Danny's a sensitive bitch. So he, he, he can dish it out and dish it out. But, like, you say some shit to him, like, five hours later, he's trying to digest. Like, what did, what, what, does Skip really mean that? Like, what, why do you say that? That's good. But I'll tell you this, Skip. Fuck you, Skip. You guys, if you and Rosales were Michael and Scotty, bringing in Danny was kind of like adding Rodman for that second three-peat run. I mean, uh, Rodman. I mean, he <laughs> he does a lot of the the you know. It might not necessarily come up in the stat sheet, but uh, he's getting you twenty rebounds a game and and changing the course of a game. I mean, he to me he was. I mean, that was a great fucking hire by you guys. All right. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm I guess I'm complimenting <laughs> both of you here. Um, no, it's it's either it's either skip or not. So just. Or just get it over with her. <laughs> no, of course. I mean, you know, Listen, I, feel, I got two I hands. Feel that, right? I, I got feel, two I, hands. I feel that way about every. We don't just hire just anybody. I mean, um, uh, Mike hired Coy for the record. I'd had anything to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Mike was no longer allowed to hire after that. Um, not, not Coy's a good guy. He, I'm, I'm not trying to break on Coy, but. Um, 
but I mean, Danny, I mean, you know, like we hired for organizational fit and, you know, Danny's completely different than Mike and he's different than me. So, you know, you don't need another skip or another Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny, Danny, you know, Danny uh, is a great utility player, but sometimes if, if you assign him uh, a, a defense on a certain guy that he doesn't want to do it, he kind of half asses it <laughs> until, until you, he's like, I don't like that guy, you know. If he can't bullshit and build a relationship with the guy, he doesn't like the tough. He doesn't like the tough uh, retailers. Who does? Yeah, yeah. Why would you? Who does? Dan, Danny, yeah. Danny just, Danny, Danny's just like you know, fuck that guy. You know, I'll just close that account. I'm like, well, you know, I can make that decision, but uh, <laughs> it's still in your number. Yeah. He's like, fuck that. I'm gonna go get that number from somebody else. <laughs> half, half the work. Yeah, sounds you like you got like a you got like a thousand shops to try on now, right? Like yeah. why, why fuck with that guy? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Did we Dan- have anything else from the listeners? Danny's pretty high Danny's pretty high maintenance too though. For sure. Well, you know. I need I need most good look, most good looking people are. <laughs> That's legit. But listen, before we move on, Cal, there's been a question that you've asked me multiple times over the, over the year or so. Oh, months. yeah. So you got the man right here. here. Here's your chance. Ask him. I thought your earlier pitch was that I, I'm never going to get my limited edition Cal Magnon, and I shouldn't ask. No, I think you should always ask. <laughs> I mean, you can name a, a cigar. You could buy a cranium and call it a Cal Magnon. I'm but what, I, what, I'm, what I'm looking for, Skip, is, is that it has, like, cow spots on the wrapper. Does that make sense? Yeah, I bet LaFleur could do that for you. <laughs> Can I call it the cow magnet if I do it through them? Please do. <laughs> I don't Sweet. know. Yeah, it's probably a bad idea. Well, yeah. You, you miss 100% of the shots you do take sometimes. So I'm gonna, I think, honestly, you, you botched that sales pitch right there, uh, Cal. You... You could have you could have set it up and put it in a way where it only made sense for Skip to so do it. The, w- the way I really respond to stupid ideas like that, I generally just say, "Oh man, I w- that's a, that's maybe the coolest thing I've ever heard. That's hilarious. I'm honored, but the FDA won't let me do it." That's good. <laughs> that's fine. I'll just I'll just make my own by cutting up other other Roma Craft cigars and Frankensteining them together. That's what you it'll work. Do. It'll work. But yeah, I mean, you won't even make a limited edition for a shop that's like moderately good. So why would I get? <laughs> All right, I have a shot at that. Well, if you come to the factory, uh, Esteban Esteban doesn't tell anybody know about every anything. So Esteban's constantly doing shit that 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 I would never do. So if you just come to the factory with Mo, uh, and tell Esteban what you want, you walk out with you know a couple of bundles of those. There we go. <laughs> there it is. Just be sneaky. I'll tell I'll tell you a really funny Esteban story. So I have all these processes at the factory and I'm like really on them all the time to stay within the process. And um one of those definitely is don't make shit that I don't know about. It has to go through the the, you know, has to consume raw inventory, it has to um it has to go into the process for tracking. 
then when it comes out, it has to be taken out of inventory for packaging. So if you just kind of make something on the side, um, you still have to follow that process. So um, I came into the factory one day, and, and Esteban's making these uh, these Toros, and I'm like, what are these? And I and I say, so I grab one, and I smoke it, and and uh, they're coming out of packaging. And they're actually they've been made for like three months, and I didn't know about them. And I was like, you know, what are, what are these? And he goes, oh, those are the cigars for the uh, cigar festival, the Puro Sabor. And I said, oh, why did you make these without you know? The, so every factory submits a submission of of their cigar for the festival. It's a unique blend. And then they all get together and they vote on which one's the best, right? And I said, why would you do that without me? You know, and then I started smoking. And I'm like, Esteban, this is not even really that good. I'm like, are you really want our name on this? And, you know, I'm, I'm really just kind of wrapped around the axle about the fact that he did it without asking me. And the fact that it seems kind of like half-ass. If we don't really make half-ass cigars much less half-assed cigars that go into submission for, for the festival, right? And uh, he goes, well, you know, I did it. You know, it's whatever. I said, okay. So I just tried to get get past it. So then later I'm like, hey, you know, I'm really not upset about that per se, but I, I kind of do want to understand, like, what was your thinking on it? And he goes, well, if you win, you have to make 1,500 more and give them away to the chamber. And he goes, I don't want to win. <laughs> so, so I just put this bullshit thing together so that, so that you know, I could get check the box, but but uh, have no danger of having to give away fifteen hundred cigars. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's nice. the way Esteban thinks. Like he has no pride. He's he, he's like, fuck that. I'm not giving them fifteen hundred cigars. <laughs> That's exactly what Drew would have done. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> Me, I'm, I'm like, I want to make the best cigar possible. I want to win. You know, he's like, fuck that. I'm not giving away, you know, $2,000 worth of cigars. He got you. One's, well, he was a born hustler, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, good. Funny. So uh, we did have a listener question. Uh, El Dandy Cubano wants to know, uh, with the new year coming up, are there goals for the Sultans of Smoke show? Uh, the one was to have Skip Martin on. Yeah, we're done. I think we knocked it, it out. We can retire until 2021. Yep. Well, I would love to have, so I know that uh, Mo and possibly Drew are going to be in Austin uh, at the end of the month, at the end of January. Yep. It'd be dope to be able to record, and Drew, we can figure out a way to do it. Uh, record a, a show where we're all together, except for Kyle. But, <laughs> uh, so we can get everybody in HD. Yeah, it'd be nice. Except for Kyle. Except for Kyle. Unless he wants no. to come to Texas, but he said he wasn't going to come. Not by next month. Priorities, bro. That's legit. <laughs> so we don't have any goals, is the answer. We're uh, we're gonna wing it like we do this podcast every week. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, so, so, <laughs> I'm gonna ask the same question though, Skip. You've been on on the show a couple times now. What goals should we have? I, I've been on this show before. 
<laughs> I, don't, I, I honestly, I, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think have being, you know, the shift list, you know, from the hip kind of uh, vibe you guys got going, that works for you. It's it's like don't try too hard. It's like your first question about you know analyzing it too much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It is. We will we will not try too hard, and we will not have any goals. <laughs> <laughs> See, dude, that's that's how you give a non-answer. If you really, well, if, if 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 you were gonna have any goals at all, I would say Mo can tell you now. Actually, haven't been in a real pre-industry to a real cigar factory um he can tell you he can tell you how much he didn't know and how much he's learned right so i think one of your goals should be to learn more about about tobacco that'd be always so so here's a question then since we have you here skip and and you just mentioned that if you're just the average consumer, right, what are some good ways you can learn about tobacco and learn about you know, the, the more specific stuff without going to the factory? Are there any? It's really hard uh, because it's, it's hard to approximate, like, the experience of actually being down there, seeing, seeing the way it works, and then, and then, you know, feeling and touching it and smoking, you know, individual types of, of tobacco. Um, Tobacco University or a little taste of Cuba has that R and D uh, kind of thing that they sell. Mm-hmm. That's a, about as close as you're going to get to kind of a. I think um, Aganorsa, uh, Terrence does a, another kind of s- seminar thing where he brings, you know, the components of the blend. Th- those kinds of activities are always, you know, will get you closer. But you, but you can't mimic. I'm going to tell you a couple of things. You cannot. Mimic the smell alone of a factory or a recurring barn or of a like <clears throat> Oliva, you know, with Gus when I did that tour. Like just the smell, the touch, the vibe. I mean, it's, it's that <clears throat> is something that you, you have to go. If, you, if you're going to get that, if you're listening to us, well, you, I mean, you got problems, but you're, you're, <laughs> you're already cigar nerdy, right? Like <clears throat> take it that next level. And, and, you know, pay the money to do it because it, I mean, I've done tobacco in this university, it's just right. I mean, it's pretty dope, but even if you bought your own tobacco at home and rolled it and looked on YouTube videos as best you could, it, it just, it just isn't the same. I mean, it's not even, you know, so, um, there, you know, people want to have goals and have goals to save money to be able to go. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't want to come to Nicaragua. Yeah. I think Tyler's thinking about moving there. <laughs> if, there was a South, if there was a Southwest Airlines hub, he'd already be there. Yeah, he would. He loves it. What's, uh, what's, what's, what's the greatest thing besides cigars about Nicaragua? Um, not having to, not having to do anything except for smoke cigars, uh, rum, Florida Kanye. Rum, yeah. I mean, Mo wouldn't know because Mo goes to bed at like eight o'clock at night. <laughs> he's, a, he's afraid, he's afraid, uh, 
Gus is going to yell at him if he doesn't get up at five in the morning. And... <laughs> hey, man, you got to keep that nose clean. You know what I'm saying? Mo, Mo's <laughs> proud of that fact. You can't even bust his balls about it. He's, he, he's actually proud of the fact that he goes to bed early. No, Tyler calls me and he goes, hey, uh, you know, it's seven o'clock. Uh, can you come pick me up? You know, he's going to come hang out at the house. And I'm like, sure. And I said, well, is Mo coming? He goes, oh, Mo's already in bed. (laughs) (laughs) Mo had a long day. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm boring. I know. Got to rest that palate. So whatever you do, if you spend the money to come to Nicaragua, you got to do more with your time than Mo does. (laughs) (laughs) That that shouldn't be hard to beat. Mo's highlight is feeding uh, Gordo. That's right. That's, I'm not even a dog guy, and I love that dog. That dog's amazing. Yes. That dog eats better than most people in Nicaragua. Oh, yeah. Well. Um. <laughs> all right. All right, all right, all right. Is that it? Skip, thanks for joining Last, yeah, man. We appreciate you. Uh, I guess wanting I'm sure, to, I'm sure wanting to be there. here. <laughs> what is that, Drew? I said, I guess wanting to be here. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, that's, wanting that's to be different. here. Oh, it disconnected him. Some, I think his computer died. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can add Skip to the list of guys I know in the industry that I've never invited onto the show officially. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, hey, why don't uh, I don't know. And Mo's music. Speaking of United, I still we still got to have Oliver on. He's he's hilarious. Nah, he'd be good. All right. Well, I guess we're skipping. Uh, skipping we're skip. Skipping deep thoughts. We're yeah, skipping I, deep thoughts. He said it wasn't even on the list. Well, uh, hey, happy New Year to you guys. If we're still recording. You too. Uh, yeah, happy new year, everybody, and all the listeners. It'll be a great year for show. Yes, sir. All right. All right, gentlemen. You guys have a good, good one. Evening. Thanks. See you guys. See you. Thank you for listening to the Salt and Smoke Cigar Cast. Be sure to check us out on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, email us either about the podcast or about our cigar line at the Salt and Smoke at gmail.com. Also, uh, if you want any salt and smoke gear, please get onto our website and to our online store. We have shirts and hats. If you're looking for anything else, please let us know and we'll get it up there for you. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, talk to you again next week.